Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. We have a showdown slate for Thursday night. They stripped us of our Millie Makers that we continue to get on these showdown slates, but I believe it's $500,000 Ruskies to first place. If you're brand new here or if you're returning, you know what we do. But if you're new here, what we do is we go down through every single player. I have my projection drinkings. I also have ownership as well. Link down below on my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. And I will be referencing that throughout the show as well as Super Draft projections, DraftKings projections, and we'll kind of do a little bit of analysis. So we have our data. We have just our deep dive research analysis that I'll talk through. You see the notes on the screen right now. You can read those, screenshot those, whatever you want to do. Those are also on Patreon. And I'll go down through every single player and write yes, no, or maybe as my early interest. Now, later on tonight, around 6 p.m. East Coast time, I will do a live stream where I'll have my lineups all done, 150 lineups crunched out, and I'll have my final interest on the screen. And we can talk through all of your questions. That's the whole point of that hour to talk through your questions, ownership, game theory, putting together these lineups, how to actually have the best lineup construction in the specific contest you're playing. Millie Maker versus a three max in a smaller field cash game. If you're playing on cash games on a showdown slate, my tip of the cap to you, you are a daredevil. I will say that very much so. Putting your safest funds, if you will, into these high variance types of games is pretty crazy to do so. But anyways, let's get into this video. Before we do, if I can have the thumbs up from you and a big old subscribe, and I appreciate that a ton. Thank you so much for being here and spending your Thursday. I, I doubt you're watching this on Friday or Saturday if you are, but thank you so much for spending your time with me and the sponsor of the show as they have been for a while now. We had somebody on the last showdown slate on Monday night, being $600 and somebody else paying $1,500 over on SuperDraft. SuperDraft is a multiplier format. So for example, tonight, it's not salary cap based. Derrick Henry has a 1x multiplier. If he scores 23 points, he gets 23 points. But you have other guys on here like Corey Davis with a 2x multiplier. If Corey Davis scores 15 points, he actually has 30 points and by far outscores Derrick Henry because he has that 2x multiplier. So it's a little bit of a game theory. Now I have projections linked down below on Patreon. The ownership that's on there for DraftKings will somewhat filter down over to SuperDraft to an extent as well. So there are tools to help you out. But either Either way, you're going to have a great chance of winning. People have been hitting me up in the Discord. $1,500 win. Somebody won $25,000. Kevin did a couple weeks ago. $6,600 just the other day. A lot of people are taking home money on SuperDraft because it's that much easier to win because there's less professionals over there. And sometimes the contests don't even fill. Now, my name, S-A-L, Sal, is the promo code. You will get a 50% deposit match, free money, up to $1,000 Ruskies in a slow drip format. So take a couple of seconds of your time right now to stop wasting your time. Get over on SuperDraft. You're going to have a greater return on investment chance, ROI, better chance at profit on SuperDraft than anywhere else. We love the big prize pools. We love the opportunity to have a lot of different games in play on DraftKings and different types of sports, but SuperDraft for the NFL and whatever other sports you're playing that they offer is going to give you a great chance to actually bink some dollar rooskies. Check it out down below. Promo code Sal lets them know that you came from me. So let's get into it, starting with Ryan Tannehill, who I will have interest in. He's my highest projected player right now. I have nobody as of right now projected for 20 fantasy points, but a peek behind the curtain over on Patreon, Ryan Tannehill is the closest to that at 19.8. So he's virtually at 20. He's the highest projected 32 attempts per game. He has the number 24 protection rate in the game, but he's working and thriving off of play action thanks to Derrick Henry, the big dog back there, just taking up 25 plus overall opportunities per game. Now he's facing the number 16 pass rush and number eight secondary. He's averaging 247 yards per game. He's number six in accuracy and number five in fantasy points per drop back, a stat that he actually was up there as well in the top three in the NFL last year because he's that efficient. On a showdown slate like this one, I will have interest in Ryan Tannehill at 11,200. Now his teammates actually going to be in all these Tennessee guys are the top three priced here. Derrick Henry at $10,800, who, yes, I have Tannehill projected out for more. You have the Indy Run D ranking sixth overall. It is still a positive run backing advantage for the Tennessee offensive line and Derrick Henry at plus 3%, according to the Pro Football Focus. Henry leads the league in attempts per game at 23. He leads the league in red zone attempts per game at 5.2, which is a lot. It is a ton. His goal line work is absolutely elite. 105 rushing yards per game is number two, and he's only averaging the 30th most yards per touch, but he's just surviving off that volume. Right now, Derrick Henry, for me, he has a higher ceiling than Ryan Tannehill by far 
far, in my opinion. I mean, he has a 200-yard upside. We're in the month of November where he starts to eat. He's definitely in play for me. I think that both are strongly in play, depending on the lineup you're trying to build. I'm fine having them both in the same lineup together. I know it doesn't correlate, and I would never do that on a main slate, but on a showdown slate, I think there's paths to that working. You're probably looking for a Texans onslaught if that's the case. So if you wanted to play Henry and Tannehill together, more times than not, it probably makes sense to get the Tennessee defense. It probably makes sense to try and go a 5-1 onslaught. You can probably work out a 4-2 onslaught if you get to some of these value guys that we'll talk about from Indy. Uh, but that's probably the only way it really makes a ton of sense, especially because AJ Brown is also priced up and correlates directly and, and more so mainly with Ryan Tannehill at 10,400. He'll have a positive matchups against Xavier Rhodes, who has been having a good year, but now that he's starting to face better wide receivers, he's starting to struggle a little bit. And he'll also face Yasin. Both of them allow over 1.19 yards per cover route this year. He's seeing right now AJ Brown even missing a game. He's still right now ninth in the league with eight red zone targets, averaging 7.8 total targets per game, a 23% target share, rarely in the slot, just dominating on the outside, a 12% slot share. Uh, AJ Brown also for me is going to be a yes right now. I only have four guys above 15 fantasy points or even above 16 fantasy points today, projection wise. AJ Brown is one of them. Next up is the first Colt that we'll talk about and it's Philip Rivers, who's actually been like sneaky good this year in terms of stats, now putting together an overall game and also having interceptions and things like that. And his attempt to try and tackle somebody on a fumble return last week after Jonathan Taylor fumbles was not great. But so far this year, 34 attempts per game, 3.2 deep per game. And he's getting time to throw out top 10. We expected this. That's why they signed. Philip Rivers just kind of giving him some time behind this offensive line. They felt that that type of a statue type quarterback would be fine behind the indie offensive line. Now he's averaging 261 yards per game, which is top 15 in the NFL, 7.8 yards per attempt, but he's eighth in accuracy right now, which is surprising to see. Tennessee though, number two in coverage as an overall unit. They get Desmond King back for this game as well, and they have the number 16 pass rush. Philip Rivers for me is actually somebody I do have interest in. He's currently my second highest projected player. The quarterbacks normally will be in a lot of my lineups because they just have more consistent outputs, but there are a lot of times where, you know, have them both in your same lineup by any means. There are a lot of times where if there's enough wide receivers at value on a slate that you can actually see no quarterbacks in your winning lineup. If Derrick Henry was one of those guys to go off or an AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, or maybe even some of these indie Colts receivers. So I do think that you don't need to be getting to quarterbacks today. We start off with four yeses, which is normally not something I do, but this slate is very top heavy in terms of a lot of the fantasy points are going to be coming from, I mean, that's the entire Tennessee team right there. I just put up top in Tannehill, Henry and Brown and Rivers. Obviously there's a lot of ways that this can go around with some injuries, with the running back situation being kind of foggy in Indy. So Rivers is going to be the most stable piece, I would say, for the Colts. Now we get to some sketchy situations with Jonathan Taylor at 8,800. He was benched last week after six carries and two receptions, had a touchdown, was getting a nice workload in the first quarter, but then a fumble led to a touchdown. They benched him for the rest of the game, ended the game with just eight touches, 34 yards and a touchdown. Now Wilkins continues to play good as well. Two weeks ago in week eight, just outplayed Jonathan Taylor for more touches. So this is a concern at 8,800. Now the coaches have come out and supported Jonathan Taylor. So it's up to you to determine, do you think he's just going to go out there and get his 15 to 18 touches in this game or whatever it might be and score his 15 fantasy points and be decent at 8,800? Or do you think there's going to be more Wilkins, more Naeem Himes involved? Right now, as it stands early on, even with my projection, I don't like Jonathan Taylor at this price point. If he was $2,000 cheaper at 6,800, I think it would be more appropriate. But at this price point, Jonathan Taylor currently grades out as my second worst play on the overall slate. Only person who's worse is Marcus Johnson right now. And the only reason why Marcus Johnson looks worse is because T.Y. Hilton is returning and it makes Marcus Johnson a wide receiver for. Corey Davis now at 7,800. You might see this price and say, this is an insane price point for Corey Davis. But look, he's going to have the same decent matchup as above against uh, Xavier Rhodes and against Yaxin as his teammate AJ Brown will have. He's seen a better target share this year than AJ Brown, 25%, 7.8 per game, 10% slot usage. And last week, he only saw three targets after seeing back-to-back games of 10 plus. But last week was kind of a wash overall. John Smith only saw two targets, ended up finding the end zone. AJ Brown continued to dominate, but nobody else really saw any usage as they didn't throw a ton as they played from pretty much ahead that most of that game for Tennessee against Chicago. So you can kind of wipe it off. Corey Davis definitely 
definitely in play for me. Although the price point, it is expensive. There's no doubt about it. That getting to Corey Davis at $7,800 is, I mean, there's a totally different tier of these guys at 10K plus, like the other types of big playmakers, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry. But Corey Davis is kind of in this no man's land of, if you don't want to play Jonathan Taylor today, the next guy that seems in play for you is $2,000 more expensive. And then after that, you're quickly dropping off after John Smith below him to the 6K range. So he's kind of in this no man's land where you might land on him, or you might just decide to pivot, punt down a little bit and spend, save money. I kind of lean to do that early on. Next up is his teammate, John Smith, who only saw two targets last week, ended up finding the end zone. And that was with no Adam Humphreys. Now in the season, he's only seeing 4.6 targets per game and 38 yards per game right now. But the concern is he's only gone over two targets once since week five and hasn't topped over 40 yards since week three. So John Smith at this point is kind of becoming touchdown or bust. I haven't projected out for decent fantasy points right now at 10.8. So he's going to be in play for me at $7,000 though. I probably prefer a lot of the guys below him. I definitely do based on my projections. The concern is that, look, if you're only going to get four targets out of John Smith, if he's catching three for 38 yards, he's looking like every other tight end in this league. We have not seen that yak ability since uh, kind of like week three when he had that long touchdown. And we're kind of relying on touchdowns total right now because he's not getting all that much volume. Now, Zach Pascal seems a little bit expensive since T.Y. Hilton is returning, but T.Y. Hilton hasn't been doing much. Pascal has been playing primarily in the slot, 72% slot snaps. He'll face Desmond King, who is returning in this one, six plus targets in three straight games. And in two of those games, he had seven targets for Zach Pascal right now, seeing five targets per game on the year, a 15% target share. He grades out as a decent play for me today. It seems like Philip Rivers likes throwing his way in the slot, feels comfortable with him, kind of taking over the Paris Campbell role. That was supposed to be the stud Paris Campbell, second year player that got hurt, I believe, in week two out of Ohio State. Pascal has kind of transitioned into the slot and played well. Naeem Himes at 6,200 seems expensive for a guy who over the last three weeks, even with Jonathan Taylor struggling because Jordan Wilkins is still involved, has only seen seven opportunities per game. 17 touches, 127 yards, and two touchdowns, both of which those touchdowns came in the same game. So Hines at $6,200, yeah, you're going to need the targets. You're going to need a four or five target game here out of him, three, four receptions to really start to pay off this price tag unless he finds the end zone. It will be in play for me because I do think he sees these seven opportunities. And if four of them are coming in the passing game, that's hard to pass up on a showdown slate at this medium price point. T.Y. Hilton's supposed to return at 5,800. He'll see some Malcolm Butler. He'll see some Borders who have both been okay this year. Borders has been a lot better, allowing under just 1.00 yards per cover so far expected back but he's only had one game over 10 fantasy points this year his highest fantasy point output 12.9 this season coming off of an injury he'll be in play for me he looks decent especially in this range since he's below 6k maybe I actually lean to ty hilton more but i do think that'll come in with some sort of ownership here i'm projecting right now around 30 percent 32 percent to be exact as this slate slowly starts to kick off we'll update that and all the other ownership projections you can find down below on patreon with point projections for Superdraft and DraftKings as well. Now we start to get to some of these guys that are starting to become cheaper. Trey Burton, no Jack Doyle. Burton in every single game he's played, missed the first couple, four plus targets in every single game. He's seen 4.8 on the year. That's a 14% target share in the games that he's been active. He's been very touchdown dependent because he's only averaging 24 yards per game this year, but he is running 19 routes, which is good to see. T.Y. Hilton returning, Mo Ali Cox still being on the field a good amount, even with Doyle out. It doesn't really change his role that much, but he's still priced up to this price point. So right now, Trey Burton for me does look okay, but honestly, I could probably pass on it if you're only playing one to three lineups and even just punt it to Mo Ali Cox, who's a thousand dollars cheaper with a very similar role. Jordan Wilkins is the running back who in week eight just outplayed, straight up outplayed Jonathan Taylor and had a big game. He had over a hundred yards in the last two games. Now he got more work last week because Taylor fumbled 36 total touches, 151 yards and a touchdown on 36 opportunities. By far, most of those outside of three, all 33 or 36 that is have come on the ground. So he's seen a lot of work. He's played well last week. He didn't play that great. He only averaged like 3.3 yards per carry the week before he played very well. So it's up to you to determine 
determined now if you think Jonathan Taylor and the coaches, the second round pick they spent money on, are going to go ahead and give him the usage. If you put that narrative on it, second round draft capital, then yes. But if you also put the narrative on it that they bought Phil Rivers for this year to try and compete this year, this is a big game. They're going to put the player out there who they think allows them to win. Well, then it's Jordan Wilkins. So Wilkinson's in play at 5,400. I will admit though right now, I don't think he's going to be all that heavily owned, like on a showdown slate, maybe 15, 20% owned at this point. But I also don't think that he'll be that much better for you than probably a kicker more times than not. $5,200 Marcus Johnson. He'll be in play, but he's not going to run the 38 rounds he ran last week now that T.Y. Hilton is returning. If Hilton goes out there and runs 25 to 30 plus rounds, Marcus Johnson is probably only going to run around 20 routes and kind of rotate in as the wide receiver four on some plays and four wide receiver sets. Maybe it knocks into Pascal. Maybe it knocks into the rookie Michael Pittman. So right now, Marcus Johnson, because of the fact that I'm projecting him as a wide receiver four, looks like the worst play on the slate point per dollar wise. So I'm not going to be getting there. And now we scroll up as we finish up some of these names right now. If you're still watching right now, please do hit the like button and the big old subscribe when it pops up. I appreciate that a ton in advance. You can check out everything that's offered on Patreon projections rankings for the showdown slate ownership as well super draft and DraftKings link down below so now you get mo ali cox forty eight hundred dollars here now he doesn't run a ton of routes overall but mo ali cox is somebody who look he's seen basically three targets per game but that's in this three-headed backfield or three-headed tight end group right now when doyle has been in there now doyle is out you're getting 35 yards in back-to-back games for mo ali cox he's seen three plus targets in back-to-back games and last week when doyle got hurt he ran 16 routes that's had the second most that he's had on the season the most that he has had on the year was week one when he ran 18 routes so if you're going to get these 16, 17 routes and Trey Burton's running about 18 routes per week. They basically have similar roles right now. Molly Cox, in my opinion, like Trey Burton gets these red zone rushing attempts. So he's had two touchdowns there, but Molly Cox, in my opinion, is the better overall tight end in between the twenties in terms of having after the catch yards per reception downfield. So I think I would lean Molly Cox over Trey Burton in this one because of the price savings that you're getting and the fact that they don't grade out all that differently for me. Michael Pittman at 4,400 looks pretty good here. Yes, you get T.Y. Hilton returning, but Michael Pittman had his best game of his career since he's a rookie and season last week with seven targets, a career high. He had 108 yards, which is by far the most he's seen all year. Four catches for 56 yards. It looked like Philip Rivers started to look his way a lot more. Before last week, 43 air yards was the most that he ever saw in a game. So Philip Rivers started to opening up a lot more to him with 108 last week. He would be the guy that if I had to choose somebody pretty much like below $5,000 that I like, it would probably be Michael Pittman the most. He's a yes for me at 4,400. Colts defense we get to, they're fine. They're number five overall. They're good at stopping the run, good at tackling, good in coverage, and pretty much average at pressure rating. When it gets to them, that's okay. I think Tannehill limits mistakes, but again, there's things that can happen on a showdown slate. They'll be in play for me. Both kickers are always going to be in play for me, not in the same lineup. I usually set a rule to not get them both in the same lineup, but just in general, I have interest in the kickers. I'm fine getting to one of them. They both project out pretty nicely. They both project out for very similar fantasy points to guys like Jordan Wilkins and Trey Burton and Moali Cox. I prefer the position skill players most of the time if they're similarly priced because they obviously have an upside scoring a touchdown, having a couple extra receptions and getting you 12 or 14 fantasy points when a kicker more times than not is going to score like six to nine. Fantasy defense, they're also top 10. They're also good at tackling. They're good in the secondary. They're average in pressure. They're very similar unit, except they're not as good against the run. They'll be in play though, because Philip Rivers is prone to making mistakes, although he's been accurate, although he's been somewhat efficient, 7.6 yards per attempt above the league average, still not the greatest out there. And now we get to the final four guys who sometimes you find value down here. And I think you have it in Anthony Fersker at $2,200. Look, no Adam Humphreys. Anthony Fersker with no Humphreys last week saw six targets. He's caught at least two passes in every single game this year, and he's averaging 4.4 targets per game as a number two tight end, but a lot of the times they go to two tight end sets, especially if they're playing with a lead. And in this one, they're two point favorites. He's seen a 15% target share this year. I actually like Anthony Fersker at $2,200 as the best value type play on the slate. If you're talking about guys, maybe below the $3,000 range. After that, there's not much. Like you have Khalif Raymond and Cameron Batson down here who are both going to rotate in and fill in for Adam Humphreys. Last week, it was Raymond running eight routes and the week, and it was also Cameron Batson last week running 11 routes. So they kind of split the routes even at that point. It's not the greatest. You're probably going to see 12 routes for Khalif Raymond in this game 
at most somewhere around there. If Batson's going to continue to run 10 plus, if that's going to be the case, they probably each see a target or two and you're hoping for a touchdown at that point. I just rather not get there. So I don't have interest in either of them. And the final guy to talk about is Jeremy McNichols. Jeremy McNichols is the backup running back for Derrick Henry, a man who just sees an insane opportunity share of over 25 plus opportunities per game, leads the NFL with 23 attempts per game. So McNichols is not going to be your greatest option by far. Look, he had a couple of games in a row, weeks five and six, he saw 10 and seven touches. That actually looked pretty decent. He was seeing fantasy points. But since then, the last three weeks, just seven total touches. I'd expect him to see somewhere around two to four touches as long as Derrick Henry is going to be healthy in this one, especially on prime time when Henry just dominates. So at $200, not going to have interest. Your cheapest option that I kind of have the most interest in today will be Anthony Fersker. And then after that, if your kickers and your defense, obviously, and then $4,400 Michael Pittman. Those are your below 5k options on this showdown slate. So as we scroll back up to the top, I appreciate you tuning in. Before you go, please do hit the like and subscribe button a ton. We'll be live at 6 p.m. East Coast time tonight, answering your questions for an hour. I'll have my final updates in terms of my interest, projections, ownership, all that stuff will be updated if needed based on injury news, 6 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. Any injury news will come out at 6.50 p.m. East Coast time. They always come out an hour and a half before the games. You have to have your injury reports in. So thank you so much for tuning in. Best of luck on the showdown site. Somebody go smack the dollar rooskies, win them all. Go over to Superdraft, promo code SAL, S-A-L. We'll get you a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. And if you listened all the way through, let's give some top Superdraft plays of the day. My top two Superdraft plays by a decent margin are actually three, I'll say. Corey Davis, Philip Rivers, and Michael Pittman. So if you listened all the way through and you have not yet already signed up for Superdraft, you now literally have like most of the pieces to the puzzle, at least having a very quality lineup. It is Corey Davis, Philip Rivers and Michael Pittman in that order. Thank you so much, everybody. And I'll see you in the next one.